Hello, welcome to Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about the new Flash review. But before we do that, pretty much <coughs> at home, it is we do on this podcast. On this podcast, we really just talk about movies at this point. Let's be real. We, we're just a movies podcast. We'll get <laughs> back to so games. There's so many of them, too. I mean, I, I don't know. We did a Diablo 4 episode. Obviously, a lot of the back half tends to be gaming stuff. Um, but, you know, the, the front half for a long time has been very movie-focused, I feel like, recently. This is your um, fault, Buddy. Yeah. This is my fault. You maybe watch we're all those. covering everything. We should, we should, what we should have done is the same thing we do with Star Wars, where we like take the Fast and Furious movies, three movies at a time, instead of individually or something like that. But, yeah, that's probably true, but, you know, listen, we're past that point. We're yeah. past the point of no return, Mango. Anyway, so, today, we're talking about The Flash, the highly controversial and anticipated movie that was supposed to come out five years ago uh and has instead come out today to weirdly good reviews even though there's like a ton of controversy around its star and it's in the middle of this like this is one of the strangest movies probably ever if you think about it's like weird genealogy, right? You know, started under the regime of one group, bought by another company, and then put under another regime, and then produced mostly under that one, and then bought by another company, and then reshot a bunch to fill the the sort of needs of a third group. The fact that this movie exists is kind of a weird miracle. If I if I feel like I'm being honest, um, but yeah, that's the flesh. Um, All right, let's give our pre-spoiler opinions, I guess. Buddy, how did you feel about this movie? Uh, I ping-ponged on this movie really hard. It got me and lost me a lot. Where I, There were moments where I was just like, okay, I guess we're sort of not doing this. Oh, wait, never mind. I'm sort of on board. Oh, okay, you know, whatever. This is sort of boring. Um, the real... I ended in a good place with The Flesh, is what I would say. Um, I ended in a good place, and it does some stuff, some complicated meta-ethical things that I really, really liked. And it kind of beats out the pack because of those things, which I think are incredibly smart story decisions, um, which is good. The bad is that I don't feel as though those story decisions are as well supported as I would otherwise like them to be. Um, this is probably one of those films, which is a common thing for me in DC movies, where it is more uh, ambitious, right, than um, its counterparts, but it has a lot of flaws kind of along the way, right? Um, just, you know, just sort of the name of the game, I guess. Uh, so... You know, yeah, I, I ended in a very good place. There's also a lot of, like, really special stuff that I was, like, kind of, like, I didn't know that I could be wowed by this movie as much as I was, I guess, is uh, is where I'll end it. Yeah, so, yeah. So, I agree with you about the ping-ponging thing. I want to say ultimately I ended in a bad place. Um, this movie is meaningless on multiple levels, um, and the way I would describe it is uh, if... Kevin Feige and Zack Schneider had a baby, and both of them drank heavily during the pregnancy. Uh, so, you know, that, that's, I am, I, you know, not, I mean, it's, it's not so bad that, like, I want to, like, you know, shit on it from on high, right? Like, I still think it's better than, say, Black Widow, right, to draw parallels across the aisle. Um, but, like, it is just, like, there are so many things that, like, bother me, like, some of the CG is so abysmally terrible that I couldn't believe it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It is honestly, some of the CG is so out of the 
it's it's honestly so bad that it was out of the uncanny valley for me in a way, right? Oh, like yeah, I, I, was sort of, I was listening to a review where somebody talked about how the CG had this uncanny value effect. And I was like, honestly, I don't think it did. I like, I think it was, it was just obviously fake. That. It was just obvious. Yeah, exactly. It was just obviously fake. It was like a fucking Pixar film at that point. Right. Um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, that stuff. Pretty awful. Um, a lot of the action was not great. Um, and, uh, I don't know. There's a, there's a there's a lot about this movie. It's complicated to deal yeah. with. And you know, that's not like, you know, there's stuff like there's it's it's got time time stuff and some of that stuff is wonky, but I'm willing to forgive all of that because like you can never make that quite make sense cuz like that's like how the nature of It the also movie. has a very interesting take on time travel which I love. I think that this is part of what I like a lot about this movie. Um is I think it's one of the first time travel movies that um I have liked since maybe like Looper, you know. Oh, was yeah. another good time travel movie. Um, outside of time loop movies, uh, there have been a lot of time loop movies that I like. Edge of Tomorrow and Palm Springs are an example of time loop movies, but I think those are Groundhog fundamentally Day. different than time travel. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, The what was the other thing I wanted to point out before the, uh, the spoiler warning? Oh, just like that there's also like weird evolving meta problems with this movie that I like, don't really affect the movie direct, directly. But like, um, so very minor spoilers. There is a moment where they show a flash from like an old movie, like an old uh, movie. Apparently, one, they didn't get that person's permission in any way, shape, or form. Two, that character wasn't even the Flash in its own continuity. That character was a villain pretending to be the Flash as part of a plot point, and they just like didn't realize that or something, right? Like this is like Teddy Sears playing Solomon or something like that. Um, uh, which is a thing. Yeah, that, and then, and then the other thing is obviously all the stuff surrounding Ezra Miller, which I have unfortunately. I told my, I was like, I'm going to do a deep dive on this. I'm going to get to the bottom of this because I feel like this just reeks to me of a lot of things that have cropped up recently, where you know the soundbite takes over, and when I actually look into the thing and I get kind of deep into how everything works, I realize that it's wildly different than kind of the narrative. Um, so my instinct is actually kind of to, in a weird way, take Ezra Miller's side, just because I'm so distrustful of the way social media talk, talks about this stuff, but I haven't actually done that, so. Yeah, you know. I remember when I went and looked into it at the time, it was like, you know, he got arrested in Hawaii for, for breaking into somebody's house, right? Like, yeah. Um, the the very cynical take uh, is is I guess that like you know plenty of people do terrible things all the time and then stop their films from coming out. It's just weird in this case because there's so much time between Ezra Miller being a fuck up and the thing coming out, right? Like you know um, Amber Heard got written out of Aquaman too, but that was like before her films got shot, right? Like um, we'll see what happens with Jonathan Majors, right? Like um, the Jonathan Majors that one is serious, right? Like that one is crazy. Uh, because he's the linchpin of this whole phase of the, mar you know what I mean? Like yeah. Ezra Miller is the star of one movie. Um, and, uh, but ultimately like you can pivot around that kind of thing, right? You can pivot around, you know, Amber Heard in, um, in Aquaman too, but like Jonathan Majors is, they named the movie Avengers, the Kang dynasty. Like how, how are you going to get around that? I don't know. I mean we'll see. They did it once before. Like, my, my, my joke has been they should replace Jonathan Majors with Terrence Howard um, and bring it full circle. Um, yeah. Obviously, the MCU was in a lot earlier stages when they replaced Terrence Howard with uh, um, Don Cheadle. Uh, but, uh, you know, they could still do something. Like, I mean, 
the character Kang is enough of a like you know time bullshit character that they can probably they can pull something out of their ass and make it work. Um, yep. And that's um, as I understand this about Jonathan Majors, it's not like just the one incident that like you know is a he said she said thing, but like in his past, there's a lot more things that like make this a lot less. Uh, a lot less uh, ambiguous, I guess, but who knows? Yeah, like coincidental, right? You know, it's like actually this is part of a pattern, which is also something I learned because uh, I did look into the Jonathan Majors thing a little bit. Uh, yep, yeah, mm hmm. Yeah, well, you know, but yes, I was not a huge fan of this movie. Um, uh, there were moments that got me, um, but like the ending ultimately just kind of was like. Okay, I feel like the what's going to happen is. The ending is the thing that made this movie for me, and the ending is the thing that broke this movie for you. Yeah, is I think that that's right? Pretty, pretty true. Yeah. Is this surrounding around the the sort of storytelling decision around him being his own sort of like time villain and all of this stuff? Like, well, is it we, that we should, stuff, or should, is it like the multi- probably? We should probably put our our. our, our oh my god, you're right. I fucking what did I say? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't yeah, say, yeah. Whatever. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! If you would like to see this movie and not be spoiled put it here uh, or you know stop watching here and come back listen to it later. yeah but anyway point being um you, your question was um about uh what the program it, it is not specifically the t- like the time paradox stuff like i can like that's the stuff i can forgive right because it's like time bullshit and whatever sure. right like you know flash creates himself or you know alternate flash forces you know flash prime to create to create alternate flash that's fine whatever right like it's it's weird it's kind of nonsensical but that's a time plot thing that i'm willing to forgive um the thing that kind of like broke the movie for me is like he comes out of it and it's like the movie might as well not have happened right um and like I, and on multiple levels okay. it, might, it might as well not have happened because like you know this iteration of the dceu is dead right like and on top like i mean so I have again. You don't. You don't know what I tell these, but I call it the infinite retcon, right? Like literally now, there is anything that happened in the previous movies doesn't have to matter, and so theoretically, any movie going forward could be part of the cinematic universe, and it doesn't matter because Flash fucked up the timeline, right? Like, um, and like on its own, that doesn't bother me so much. But what bothers me is just like the movie. Like the only thing that happens in the movie, I guess, is that the Flash, like learns to not fuck with time, right? Like, and if, like, and, you know, saves his dad, sure, that's, that's, uh, that's something that's, like, you know, a personal point, but, like, it's, it, effectively, the movie is, none of this movie mattered, and the lesson the hero learned is to never do that again, right? Like, um, Oh, man, see, okay, this is where I would have a real big difference, because the lesson is, the, is what makes it for me. The lesson is the thing that I find so important. And it comes in this ecosystem of all these fucking multiverse movies, right? We've had Spider-Verse and its sequel, right? Um, but also Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, but also um, the... Uh, uh, the the Spider Man No Way Home stuff, right? And I have had and and also Kang, <clears throat> Quantumania. And I've had a lot of issues with the way that this stuff sort of presents itself because I think the meta ethics are dog shit essentially, right? Most of the time, it is boiling down these superhero movie plots to some form of trolley problem that is just kind of like people are guessing based on incomplete information and then like actually this is a solvable issue but f- nobody wants to talk about it you just sort of want to want to punch right um 
The Flash is the first of these movies that I feel has sidestepped those meta-ethical issues by instead of focusing on kind of the 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 high-level philosophical questions at play, right? Um, it instead focuses on the very personal questions, right? And on the thematic questions at play, right? Um, so it is not a movie about, like, exploring the philosophy of, like, whether or not you pull the lever on this, you know, quantum trolley problem, right? But on the <clears throat> kind of individual ramifications of what it means to be a hero, what it means to sacrifice, you know, um, what it means to kind of, like, strive and try to, you know, make the world a better place. And I think all of that stuff, it, that, that's the stuff that got me. Um, I cried at the end of this movie uh, just because I thought it was... Uh, part of this, I have to say, <laughs> this is weird, Ezra Miller is a really good actor. I... Didn't expect to say that. I kind of don't think that he... I, I haven't thought that he's all that good um, in previous things. But the way in which he was able to act against himself um, and sort of embody two different characters at the same time and their drama and their emotions, right, um, really did sort of kind of floor me and bought me into sort of the emotionality of the... Uh, of the of the narrative or the idea, but the idea that he has to sacrifice his mom, right? Like you know, he wants to do the thing where he undoes this incredibly painful moment. Um, but when he sees the ramification, he does the ultimately selfless thing, which is cause himself immeasurable pain, right? Because it, you know, saves sort of the fabric of the universe, and he can heal and move on from that moment all that stuff just worked so well for me i was like yes finally i actually i was prepared to come into this and say i didn't super like the flash i thought it was empty i for like 90 minutes the first 90 minutes this movie was no thoughts head empty right basically didn't have a brain in its head kind of was just like cruising on the the kind of raw compulsion of you know um does this i don't know does this little adventure click for you the adventure itself was fine i i didn't have any problems with any of the pieces i thought some stuff was cool some stuff was you know dopey whatever um but right at the end it just kind of like randomly pulled all of those strings together to make this kind of poignant moment about like what it what it is about i guess all that stuff i just explained um and that's what that's what caught me that's what that's what hit me where i where i live um, which is, I guess, a little bit different, right? Because I don't really care so much about, but in, in a certain sense, I think I would agree with you if I felt like it didn't have that personal layer, right? Because the film refocuses itself on his personal decision, right? And on the way that he gets to choose how this all resolves in a way. Um, <clears throat> I sort of don't care about the overarching meta plot you know, nature of the, the DCEU. Sure. Essentially, he, because he has a satisfying character arc, this is what I would say, because he has a satisfying character arc um, and he learns and he grows and I bought and I buy into all of that stuff, I actually do think that this movie matters and this, like, adventure matters because it it transforms him, the Flash, into a better person, if that makes so, sense. So I, I get all of that. Part of it for me is that, like, and this is the part of the time stuff that I that I, that I I have an issue with. He doesn't convince me that, like, he's right at all. Right, like, like the rules that they establish in the universe, like, like you know, um, uh, Michael Keaton Batman establishes this neat, neat thing. I will say, which is you know, um, the the branching point isn't actually a branching point. 
it's a full. It's re, it's got retroactive causality. Let's determine. Love this. Right? I, it's my is my other favorite detail. Yeah. No. And I, I think I think that's an that that is a <clears throat> neat thing. Um, there are a couple of things in here that like just kind of like like don't make sense. So the, the first one, and this is the thing that kind of like sucks the emotional stakes of him re-killing his mother out of it, right? Which is he then saves his dad, right? But like that means he didn't learn the fucking lesson, right? Like he doesn't know that not that saving his dad won't do the exact same thing that saving his mom did, right? Like he and we know it doesn't because George Clooney's Batman now, right? Like you know, it, it, it's a different Bruce Wayne, right? In, in in the terms of the movie, right? So who knows? Maybe Zod shows up tomorrow off screen, right? And the whole thing happens again, and Batman or Superman doesn't exist. But we know we don't know because the movie doesn't continue that far, obviously. But like the rules that they establish is, if you change anything, you could potentially change anything in the timeline. Right. Hold on, hold on. That's not the I, okay. I think this is a, this is like a, this is like a rules lawyer thing. I don't think that's the rules that they establish. The rules that they establish is that there are some things that are faded, right? There are some places where sure. the timeline has to has to go the way that it goes. You can't change those moments, and he realizes that his mom dying is one of those moments. But that doesn't say to no. me that his dad is the other end of that. So Do you know what I mean? So the the, the faded the things they don't establish that like no no. no. His mom, his mom dying is not a faded moment because it doesn't happen, right? Like, like the faded, the, the faded moments are like entirely localized, right? Like a Batman always exists, right? Or like the end of the, this is the, this is part of the problem too. Is one they don't actually have evidence of that, right? This is a thing that the Flash theorizes and then decides is true when like it matters, right? Like he gives, he gives up after one iteration on the final plot thing. And I get it, right? <laughs> That's thematic and whatever, right? And, like, maybe Villain Flash showing up, like, proves him right, essentially. But he has no reason to believe that this moment is a particularly locked-in moment. He's just like, hmm, yes, the plot has decided that this needs to be a locked-in moment in order for the story to, you know, for this movie to wrap up in, you know, 20 minutes, so it will be a faded moment. It's not like, it's not like, you know, if he had, like, you know, Attacking, you know, a science gadget that told him this was a faded moment, right? I'd believe it more. This is entirely conjecture on his point. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy because he interferes with himself attempting to solve the problem, right? Like, but he is also, but he is, this is the moment where he makes that crucial like piece of character growth. This sure. is the thing this is the thing that I think carries that whole bit is that the mechanics of whether or not it like actually makes sense kind of don't matter because what really matters is that he realizes that sometimes bad things do happen and you have to deal with them and that's the world that he lives in and he has to be the big, he has to be the bigger person and he has to be the hero to make the sacrifice for the entire cosmos, right? In order to in order to undo the damage that he's literally watching as these universes sure. are like unraveling so before him. I I get <clears throat> that, right? Like mm. that like I get that story beat. The thing is is the plot doesn't convince me that that is actually true, right? Like there there are bad things that have to happen, there are bad that like you no. Know, Bad things happen to good people, whatever. That doesn't mean that every bad thing that happens has to happen, right? That's why superheroes are a movie genre, right? Like, you know, good people can stop certain bad things from happening, right? Like, that is the theme of literally every superhero movie till the end of time, right? Well, right? You, give, you give a good person the power to, to, to make things better, they will, right? Like, um, 
Right, but so this, to me, this is internally consistent because yes, that's true. Some bad things are going to happen. You have to deal with them. There's more to this, obviously, right? But this is why I think his mom is a faded moment. His dad is not, right? Which is to say that he realizes just because he can't save his mom doesn't mean that he can't save his dad. And he does make the make the decision to do so. Right, but he right? doesn't, Without he has unraveling no reason to believe mo- that his dad wouldn't be a faded moment, right? Like, like unless you're telling me that like he you know, would go back in time if it turns out that his dad, like, causes Zod to show up tomorrow, right? Like, you know, he, like, moves the tomato cans, and he goes back to the present, and it turns out, like, you know, it's, it's a crumbled husk, right? Like, like, he doesn't, you can't, he, by the nature of how they establish this rules work, he can only know if something's a faded moment by, like, trying to change it and failing. And, like, this also doesn't, like, doesn't, like, you know, allow for the possibility that, like, you know, Maybe the thing he changed was the wrong thing, you know. Like, the, 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 like there's like, it. It seems to me, it, it seems to me that the Flash's conjecture is that it's a faded moment if I try and redo it and it fucks up, right? Like, and that's basically it, right? Like, okay, I I, th- I think I get this, right? In a certain sense, it is about where you're willing to sort of suspend disbelief, because in my head, this stuff sort of doesn't matter, right? I I'm kind of willing to take it on on the movie on its word. That his dad is not the fated moment his mom is. This is why this all sort of breaks out the way that it breaks out. And he's kind of okay with the world in which he's he's living, which is an alternate, you know. He's not in his main timeline anymore. He's in a different one, but it's a stable timeline, right? And this is why George Clooney's there and he's happy and whatever else kind of thing. Um, but I do see what you're saying in the sense that I don't think that that is truly justified in the narrative. And it's about whether or not you're willing to kind of, you know like give the give the story that amount of like story credit in order to bridge the gap yeah, does that I, make sense the, the other thing here is too is that this fadest moment thing doesn't actually like work on its own terms right like you keep saying that his mom dying is a faded moment but like we don't like as they describe it right like the faded moment are things that like will happen regardless and we know that his mom dying doesn't the thing that will happen regardless because he stops it from happening the two faded moments that we like are aware of are like the batman exists and mm. like you know someone shoots batman's parents in crime alley and that like you know this alternate version of earth i guess zod has to win right like these are the things that the text explicitly tells us are faded moments they don't say that his mom dying is a faded moment they just show us that the consequences of changing it are bad right and it's not like the timeline is unstable either right it's not like the like you know the timeline falls apart if his mom doesn't die it's just zod wins and the earth gets you know terraformed to be new Krypton, right? This is bad, but it's not an unstable timeline. The thing that destabilizes the timeline is the Flash keeping trying to fix it, right? Oh, yeah, that's true, I guess. Yeah. Huh. I sort of see what you mean. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I guess that is true, that we don't know how the unst yeah also like the the timelines unraveling like we are provided like like that that is the thing i'm relatively willing to give on faith that like you know fucking with the timeline just causes bullshit to happen right but there's also like no real justification for that right like you know it is kind of like the flash is trying to change things and so it causes like these timelines to to all go fuck fucky wucky but like you know that's like not clear right like yeah it's also about like whether or not the flash himself is an actor in the time so for instance is the flash right like 
Yeah, well, yeah, because it's, it's, it's sort of a pet. In my head, I wasn't thinking of the second Flash. Let's call him, you know, Bad Flash, whatever, alternate Flash versus Pri- Flash Prime is sort of outside of this loop, right? And can yeah. kind of affect things. Alternate Flash is also outside of the loop, but is also inside of the loop in a way because, like, the decisions that are being made around him, he is being pushed into this position by Flash Prime. This is the thing in my head that's destabilizing that timeline is alternate Barry's presence is fucking with – I'm sorry – Prime Barry's presence is fucking with alternate Barry, such that alternate Barry starts destabilizing the timeline. This is the reason that it's okay, a faded and, and moment. This, and, and this Do you is, see what I'm saying? And, and this is a constant, like... But the thing is, if what is the difference between Flash Prime being sort of a true agent, an actor outside of the fate of the faded moments, and alternate Flash being subject to yeah. the fate of the faded right, moments? Right, like, Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, There's, I see what you're yeah. saying. Like, is... <laughs> He's just Prime Flash, Paracausal, or Alternate Flash, right. also Paracausal. And if he's not, yes. then like he's he is a consequence of because because know. what I want to say what I want to say is Prime Flash's presence in the alternate universe is the thing that destabilizes the timeline, right? And that necessarily yeah, sort I of mean, happens. And, and this just brings in the thing that I said I was willing to forgive, which is actually Prime <laughs> Flash doesn't bring himself into the alternate timeline. Alternate yeah. Flash does. Uh, alternate Flash brings him into the time. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> You know what? <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, like, so I, I, I get it. I, I get that, like, the emotional moment makes sense. Like, I felt the emotional stakes of that moment as well, right? Like, you know, having to give up your mother because you think it's the thing you need to do. The thing that just aggravated me about, and, and may, maybe this is just, like, the trap of it being a time movie, right? Is that, like, the logic behind, like, the logic behind it isn't bit internally consistent, and that, that bothers me, right? Like, I don't necessarily no, need, sure. like, yeah. full consistency. I just need, like, internal consistency, and it doesn't feel like it has it. Um, no, I think I, I think I do agree with you. So really, really, the thing that I want to lean on is that I think it's so fucking smart that instead of making it about, you know, the, these, these the like, the meta-ethics of this galactic, or this, you know, cosmic trolley problem which is what i felt like spider-man no way home was okay, doing yeah, yeah. um which is what i felt like multiverse of madness and, and these other movies were doing or whatever where it's just kind of like because like all of the stuff that we're complaining about here is applicable to all of those other movies right, right? as of maybe into the spider-verse i guess technically um because into the spider-verse just sort of takes it for granted and shows very clearly right up front that swapping universes is bad and leads to really bad outcomes um but um, the uh, and and so and that's not about the trolley problem. That's just about like Miles Morales like growing and learning to be his own sort of hero with Peter B. Parker, that kind of thing. Um, but the uh, the other piece of this puzzle is just that by refocusing it on very specifically, right, on this guy and his choices and the way that he has to make decisions, I think is really smart. And the other piece of this that I really love is the idea that a hero is not powerful enough to save everybody and that's okay right because i think that that in a way this sort of feels like the perfect cat zone to the dceu because i think the birthplace of the dceu is this specific problem right it is the problem of the collateral damage in man of steel right if there is any legacy to that movie right it is that zod and superman fight in metropolis and have this battle of the gods where zod clearly you know 
announces his intention to genocide the planet out of raw spite, if nothing else, right? Um, and Superman kills him for it. And in the way, a lot of people sort of die. And that moment and that sort of storytelling decision is sort of the catalyst for all of this other sort of stuff that would go on with superhero movies in general, right? The last 10 years of superhero movies has had a lot of back and forth about how we are to deal with these sort of facts on the ground. My argument has always been those deaths are not on Superman, they are on Zod, right? And that you can't blame Superman for not being perfect, right? It's his first day on the job. This is a story about, you know, having to throw a Hail Mary at the last second and winning you know winning the game in overtime before zod just absolutely overwhelms you because it's very clear by the text of that film that he is stronger and more adaptable than superman and the only thing superman has is a couple minutes of effective head start because he's lived on earth for 33 years and zod hasn't right that's the that's the bedrock of this argument and it feels like the flash is also, kind of in, a, in an ethical way, supporting that argument, which I really appreciate, right? There are multiple moments where, you know, like Bruce Wayne says the thing of just like, you know, sometimes bad shit happens and, you know, I like, I didn't react to it great, but it is the world that we live in and we have to kind of like make do with that, I am which feels stars. like I'm... Yeah, exactly. Which feels like I'm being vindicated in my sort of argument versus the the other sorts of arguments, which would be something like maybe Captain America in Age of Ultron is this, where, you know, Age of Ultron is entirely focused on this evacuating Sokovia thing, and Captain America kind of baselessly says the only, you know, like, the only way we do this is if we save every single person. But, like, on a certain level, I don't think that it's, it's, that's a, that's a correct philosophy to kind of have or to expect a superhero to uh, like aspire to. Obviously, you know, you do your best, but there's this idea that like we're going to save everyone that does get to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 I think the version of that argument is the strongest is you act as if you can save everyone because otherwise you like, you know, like the, the version of the story that would be interesting, right, is like, you know, like, no one doubts it kind of, like, in the text of the movie that Superman tries his hardest, right? Like, or, or if they do, they're wrong, right? Like, you right. Know, we, we know that Superman has tried his hardest. But, like, there is a version of this where, like, you know, this is, like, you know, a million death statistics type thing, right? It's, like, you know, Captain – the other version of this is Captain America says, well, we're going to try our best and there are acceptable casualties, right? Like, that's, like, you know, villain is type stuff, right? Or, like, you know – you know, well, I could say this, like, like you know, literally doing trolley problem calculations type of deal, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Which, you know, I, 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 I get, and then I, I think I, I, you know, I, I appreciate, like, I think, I think maybe just, like, like, I think I would agree with you that, like, Man of Steel um, hit it right, but it's just, like, a, I think it's a hard beat to, to sell, right? Like, you know, you can't explicitly say in the text, like, you try your hardest like, you could say, I guess, you try your hardest and the trips fall where they may, right? But, like, you can't say it quite like that. Like, you can't have Captain America saying, like, you know, well, if some people die, guess that sucks, right? Like, um, 
so you know yeah this is also why like civil war didn't hit correctly for me you know we talked about this obviously but just to sort of repeat myself right um the genesis of civil war needs to be like true irresponsibility but the genesis of civil war in the mcu is an act of true altruism right the avengers literally tried their best and i would say kind of made this mistake of insisting that they can and will save everyone when that's an unrealistic, you know what I mean? Like, I, I do agree with you. Captain America should not go there and say, well, if some people die, some people die, right? But, like, I also think that the opposite is, is kind of the problem, where he says, we will save everyone because I, I don't know. I just, I don't like, I think that is bad and not good and ruins things. Um, and But then he gets punished for it anyway with the fucking accords named after the place where the Avengers literally bent over backwards to save absolutely every person they, can, they could, right? Um, which, according to the text, is literally everyone, right? Uh, there are, like, casualties, uh, like, associated with this. And I remember somebody once, somebody once tweeted, I think it might have been Devin Faraci, uh, randomly enough, who he tweeted, like, the smartest thing that Captain America's Civil War ever did was show clips of the previous movies and insisted that the Hulk's rampage through Johannesburg only killed 10 people. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, imagine being Man of Steel and being able to just say, oh, only five people died. Like with a straight <laughs> face and just like, you know, make that the text of the movie, even though it's absolutely not like the, the kind of the, the realistic thing. Um, but yeah, so that was, that was kind of the other piece of the ethics, I, or not the ethics, but like the themes of this movie that I, that I did uh, appreciate. I also just appreciated um, the world of, you know, the flash, uh, the, the opening sequence, I, this is part of the ping pong effect. I really like the opening sequence, right? This is like traditional justice league stuff that you would expect to happen in a very like comic book, right? You know, you have some issue with some bad guy and Batman and wonder woman and the flash are all there. And you know, they're, they're helping out. I didn't super love his like time travel thing with the baby in the microwave or whatever. Like that stuff was kind of whatever to me, but just the general vibe of that was something that I was on board for because that feels like the you know like that feels like the comics to me right um that these characters exist they cross over into one another's universes um that barry goes to bruce for for kind of comfort or um uh you like know advice, advice. Yeah. all of that stuff was 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 cool on, on the other hand some of the, the the bathos was some of the worst bathos right like the the fucking wonder woman lasso of truth thing made me want to like fucking cringe out of my skull like there's oh a... really i did that didn't bother me at all because i thought we were out of the drama so i didn't mind there is so, bad bathos in this movie by the way but yeah that's so, not a, yeah so, so you're right it's not quite bathos it's like i don't think that's the right version of the scene right like i think the right sure. version of the scene is like batfleck like you know flash talking and batfleck refusing to open his mouth and, like, then, you know, the Flash says the thing about, like, never having sex. And then Wonder Woman says Lasso of Truth. And then the Batman just keeps his mouth shut until he pulls it off, right? Like, you know, like, like you don't, like, I think fundamentally having the Batman say I can never thank anyone is, like, the wrong move. The right move is for the Batman to, you know... Keep his mouth shut because he understands the consequences, right? Like, yep, I think I agree with you. You know, uh, the lap the lesson of truth doesn't compel you to speak, right? Yeah, is is really what you're getting at. Yeah, absolutely, I'm down for that. Uh, yeah. Uh, how did you feel about the Michael Keaton stuff? Do you do you have a connection to that movie? That sort of set of circumstances? Not not super heavily, right? Like, I thought that all of kind of like the cross universe stuff was neat. I guess, um, like again. 
there's some weirdness about you know the 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 alternate flash there's some weirdness about um oh what's 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 his name um uh the one who died like because he uh from Bed christopher Source. reeves yeah christopher reeves right like there's some weirdness about like using christopher reeves even though he's like you know like not alive to give consent anymore right like um but like you know that's like ultimately minor like i was like oh it's Nick Cage as Superman, that's a thing we all know he's always wanted to do, right? Like, that's neat, right? Like, do you not know this story? What? He, that is a, uh, that is a, holy shit. I can't, uh, hold on, let me back up. Uh, you obviously know who Kevin Smith is, right? Clerks, yeah. that guy? Okay. Kevin Smith got hired to write a Superman movie for um, this producer named Jonathan Peters or something. Um, the the movie was wild. Kevin Smith wrote a very straightforward Superman plot and then got a million notes to change it because this was in like 2001 or something. This is the movie, by the way, that would eventually become uh, Superman Returns. Um, they would shuffle people around until it becomes Superman Returns. And, um, and the interesting thing that that Kevin Smith describes is how one of the things it was supposed to be Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage was supposed to have this mullet. Uh, they wanted him to have a they wanted him to have a mullet. They did screen tests of Nick Cage in the Superman suit. Um, and the final boss, like the final fight of the movie, was against a gigantic spider because that's what the producer was putting in all of his films. And the punchline is that the next movie that he produced was Wild Wild oh, wow. West. Of all things, which ends with the giant mechanical, with the, ends with the giant mechanical spider. This is like a very famous like Hollywood story, but it is like kind of an underground thing. There is a um, I, I wonder what it's called. It's like Kevin Smith used to do this talking tour. Um, Lou says in the chat that I've heard the story a lot. Kevin Smith talks about it all the time. See, the, the, yeah, Kevin. The, yeah, the, uh, the Kevin Smith story I'm familiar with is the um, I think it's Kevin Smith is like his version of um, the Green Green Arrow, not Green Arrow, um. Who's who's the like? It's like the super, like the street level superhero with the dime glasses that has like the Asian sidekick. Green Hornet. Is yeah, Green Hornet. Movie? Thank you. Green Hornet. Where his version of the movie is like you don't actually see them doing anything. You just see them leaning on the car and talking about it, and they go off screen to actually do the action. And they come back, right? Like because th th that's the only Kevin Smith story I'm I'm uh, familiar with. Um, okay. Um, yeah, I feel that. So he says I've heard it on his podcast no fewer than three times. That that makes sense. Um. Yeah. So yeah, there is a there is a like um uh he used to do these college tours where he would just walk he would go around and you know talk for two hours about like adventures in the movie making business and this Superman Lives story is one of those famous famous things. It was like a really underground thing in like the two thousands. They made DVDs of it. Um, like we watched them when we were kids or whatever. But yeah, so that is that is like referencing that whole bit. I do think I agree with you. Um. I, the thing I wanted to happen was to, to highlight the shows um, or to highlight in some way, like, the, the animated universes. I don't really know how yeah. you do any of that stuff, um, especially now that um, Kevin and um, O'Neill, is that his name? The, the, the super, super iconic Batman voice actor from Batman the Animated Series. Oh, Most Kevin recently Conroy? did Multiverse. Yeah, Kevin Conroy. I'm sorry. Yeah, Kevin Conroy. Um, he unfortunately passed last year. Um, and... Um, I, like, that would be the way that you would tie it into, like, the Justice League universe, right? You'd maybe shoot some live-action stuff, but you would hear his voice, and you'd go, oh, I get it. This is that kind of thing. It, it sort of felt a little weird that those were the were the DC universes that they were that they were pulling from, right? Yeah. Um, but, 
at the same time, uh, I don't know. I su I kind of didn't super care about the mechanics of that moment because I was sort of in the, I was in that like the movie magic moment part of it. Yeah, the move the movie magic moment of going, oh my god, this movie had a point. Thank God it was all building towards you know something, and it was yeah. it was meaningful. And it's weird that Ezra Miller is a good actor. <laughs> that 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 moment was also kind of weird because like there were like. For a movie that is ostensibly about the Flash, there were two Flashes. Again, one of which wasn't actually the Flash, but that's like that's like that's about a text. It's not text. Um, uh, and like, I, if I recall correctly, there wasn't even like like you know like the CW Flash, which would be the obvious thing to throw in there, right? Like, it was a bunch yep. of Supermen mostly, not like. Which is funny because the CW Flash does in fact do multiverse stuff and pulls in Ezra Miller in his Justice League suit. Um, really. To, yeah, 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 this is the thing. In one of the, you know, The Flash ended in season eight. I think it ended this year. Uh, I think maybe the season finale of last year's Flash was he pulls in a bunch of different Flashes, one of whom was was Ezra Miller, and they, uh, they did a whole thing because it was about the multiverse, so, yeah. Okay. I was like... <laughs> is that all okay? <laughs> I don't know. All, like... Something something that like weirdly bothered me was like how like bad the kind of like circle effect like like you know like his time running effect looked like it looked like bad CG right like when you could theoretically just like transpose the actual scenes right like around the like you do like like you know and this is the only place that Henry Cavill shows up is like in like one of those panels right it just like looks so bad and it's, you know again that's not like a that's not I liked the effect, but I but I agree with you. I didn't like the CG, right? Like the idea that there are these, you know, like these yeah. rings that the universes are sort of the stacked thing or whatever. Um, uh, FYI, there were two more rules beyond the Iron Spider. I know we've moved past this, but they're so cringe. I don't actually. Oh, he has to fight a polar bear, right? He goes to the Fortress of Solitude. He fights polar bears. Um, I'm pretty sure. How is that anything but trivial for Superman? Yeah, that's why it's so cringe. <laughs> that, yeah, it is. It's like the most trivial thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I don't remember where the other rule is, uh, but yeah, this is all from this is all from Superman Lives. Uh, I do think that there's like a there's a whole thing about it, but yeah, it was supposed to be a Tim Burton supposed to be a Tim Burton movie. I don't know. I have to um, I have to auto mod lose comment in because it uses the uh, the term uh, uses a a quoted slur, I guess. Oh no! Wow, yeah. Peters yeah, represented worries. Smith with all th with three rules, such as wanting a Superman to wear an all black suit, feeling the more traditional suit was too gay. I will say, yeah. uh, not wanting to see Superman fly, saying that Superman would look like an overgrown Boy Scout. Um, you know, interesting, interesting. Well, you know, this does bring me to the Superman. You know, Kara uh, Zor-El. Uh, Supergirl stuff. How did you did the, the return of Zod? Um, it's very funny because Zod, uh, or I'm sorry, not Zod. Michael Shannon is obviously in this movie, um, and in the press tour, he talked about how he he was like. Yeah, you know, it was fun to come back to the character. I'm not quite doing the same, like, in-depth character study that I was doing in the first one. And everybody, like, sort of clowned on him a little because it's, like, describing, you know, Zack Snyder's Superman as an, an in-depth character study is, is something. But I would go so far as to say that is fair. Izad uh, is really doing nothing here but just sort of, like, being window dressing. Yeah. Um, like, I, but, if, if you told me this is all, like, stitched together and AI'd from, like, previous stuff and he didn't actually do anything, I might believe you, right? Like, yeah. Um, especially since but there he, were like, a lot never of, takes but there, the fucking mask off, right? Like, yeah. 
Um, there were a lot of moments that I that I liked about all of this stuff, though. Uh, a lot of callbacks to Man of Steel. It was honestly, it it sort of felt like the prequels in um, uh, the Obi Wan TV series, right? The Obi Wan TV series. A lot of people didn't like them, and I would say a lot of people didn't like the Obi Wan TV series for the fundamental problem of they don't like the prequels, right? They are the kind of Gen X red letter media folks who really don't like the prequels. Um, and so anything that kind of takes the drama of the prequels seriously, um, and those characters seriously is kind of just never going to hit with them. Right. Um, I think, I think a similar sort of thing happened in this movie, right. With man of steel where, uh, I am a person for whom man of steel is a very important movie. I love that movie. I think it's really good. Um, and it speaks to a lot of my philosophy when it comes to like superhero movie making and everything like that. Uh, and so this movie did right by that movie in a lot of ways that I really, really appreciated in the same way that I'm pretty sure those same Gen X people who might have hated Man of Steel would really love the way that this movie does right by the 1989 Batman film, which to be fair, I am less enthusiastic about because that was the year I was born. Uh, even though I do have a shirt from that movie um, and it's my favorite shirt. So yeah, it's so, it is so old and ratty that I don't wear it anymore because it is, I will destroy it and I just want to keep having it. <laughs> yeah, weirdly to me, like my, my first Batman, I guess is, um, is Clooney. Like that's Batman so, and Robin? Yeah, yeah. I yeah, to be fair, I loved Batman and Robin. I watched it a bazillion times. I owned it on VHS, uh, which was a which was a, a whole thing. I could quote all of the freeze puns, you know. <laughs> which, which one is um, the one that Jim Carrey's a Joker in? Is is in that one is Batman Forever, right? Because that has uh, Batgirl, I, right? No, no, no. Batgirl is in Batman and Robin. Oh, Batman okay. Forever has Robin, but not Batgirl. Okay. Um, and uh, a lot of people like Batman Forever more than Batman and Robin. I think they're wrong. I think Batman and Robin is better, but what are you going to do? Yep. I mean, I also like haven't watched those. Like, that's my first Batman, but like my Batman is probably, you know, Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I would probably agree with that. Right. The Dark Knight, you know, yeah, yeah. weird that there were no Dark Knight references. I thought yeah. we were going to get something, but I just, I don't know. Maybe it's too ghoulish to, to sort of, uh, touch anything in the Dark Knight just because of like Heath Ledger. Not that they would use Heath Ledger, obviously, but I don't know. Like there's something about that sort of cadre of film, um, discourse that is hard to deal with because Heath Ledger is so intimately tied to yeah. sort of this the story of that film, even though it is the the single most important, I would say, DC like film ever, right? You know, the hugest thing, right? It it represents kind of the the apex of that kind of superhero storytelling before we kind of move into the MCU era. Um, yeah, yeah. Or and there's no reference to um, uh, what's it called? Um, Pretty Boy. Uh, Batman, the, the new one. Um, oh, Robert Pattinson. Yeah, yeah, yes. Definitely. You know what's funny? I thought Robert Pattinson was the one getting out of the car, not George Clooney. Yeah, you I know what? That be... would have that would have made sense, right? Like that that would have that would have actually made sense, right? Like, um, I mean, I I think the point that they're going for um, is that this version of the Flash is in an alternate universe where he's a little bit happier, right? Um, and he's kind of in this stable version of his timeline where his dad gets out of prison and he's happy about it. Um, and, you know, whatever. He's not in that. He's not in his original DCU anymore, but he's in this one. This is kind of his happy ending. I don't think that they're doing anything more with this stuff because obviously they're going forward with this James Gunn reboot um, of the 
universes or whatever. Uh, people have also talked a lot about how the universes colliding into one another is probably an indication that like they have changed fundamentally. Um, so someone, <clears throat> the, the other sort of theory for this, and I sort of hate this just on its principles, but I will explain. The theory is that just the, the inclusion of, let's call them Infinity Flash, right, has fucked with the nature of the universes such that even though our Flash went back to his original sort of timeline, um, the worlds around him have changed and altered. And Ben Affleck has been replaced by George Clooney in the original version of the DC universe. Again, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's what the text of the movie is saying, but... Th these are sort of like the popular fan theories. I kind of think this is all stupid and dumb, and I don't even really want to talk about it that much, right? Yeah, like, so so my, my super cynical take is that, like, this allows them to do the thing where, like, if they decide that, like, they want to keep, you know, Jason Momoa as Aquaman, they can just do that, right? And, well, like, did you see the post credit scene? Yeah, right, right. But, oh, like, yeah, okay. You know, I... This Aquaman 2 happen in the prime timeline, right? I guess, I guess we'll see... If Batman shows up, who's playing him and how it matters, right? Like, to be fair, I actually do think that that is an issue and that they're probably going to end up having to deal with it because my recollection is that Ben Affleck shows up in Aquaman 2, is that he filmed stuff for Aquaman 2 would and was be, part of that. It would be really funny if like, he's in the first half of the movie and at some point like it just changes to George Clooney and the movie just doesn't comment on it at all, right? Like, yeah. And like anybody who has to see The Flash has no idea why the fuck they replaced the actor. But just, yeah, I mean, you know, my understanding is that this movie has been reshot to hell um, for a, a variety of different reasons. I would probably say in a good ver the the original version of the movie is sort of was sort of like Aquaman and Mira, um, but the the reshot version is Orm and um, uh, Aquaman, uh, and so he's teaming up with the villain from the previous. You know, he's he's teaming up with the villain from the previous movie, which as much you know as much as I love Aquaman and Mira, I think Aquaman and Mira are really important. You know, like like foundational couple and everything like that. And I would also probably go to bat to uh, you know. To in uh, on some level for Amber Heard's inclusion or whatever in all of this sort of stuff. I, I think the, the dramatic tension of he's teaming up with his evil half-brother who was the bad guy of the first film in order to do this thing in the second film is probably a better pitch, in my opinion, than, oh, he's teaming up with the girl that he is in love with, right? Um, <clears throat> but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, oh. All I want is Jason Momoa to say as Aquaman. That's all, all I need. Just give me that, please, and I will be a happy a happy camper for forever and always how, um, how my much, understanding how much of this is this an excuse to recast mira like yeah like, i don't they know make, maybe they release this entire movie just so they could recast mira that would be well there was hilarious. a lot of stuff about amelia uh amelia what's her name the woman who plays daenerys clark oh, no what's her name i can't remember um the woman who plays daenerys right obviously which is kind of weirdly faded um uh, because they got their start together kind of on Game of Thrones, right? Like, that was their big, you know, catapult into into movie stardom or whatever. Lou people said Amelia that she... Clark in the in the chat, so thank yeah, you. Yeah, okay, yeah, Amelia Clark. People were saying that Amelia Clark was recast, but I'm pretty sure those were just, like, rumors or whatever, like, based on stupid stuff. People will do this stuff and will, where it will be like, he's in London. London is where they shoot Aquaman 2, and he posts a picture on his instagram where he's getting coffee with amelia clark right and everyone's like oh, 
she got she got recast or whatever. I don't I don't know that this is the case. This is I'm just the, I'm, this yeah, is like yeah. me this, this, like creating this is the an level example of like Glenn Beck like whiteboarding. That's like you know. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is exactly what I mean. Um, so who knows? We'll see. It is kind of weird that movie is coming out in six months and we haven't seen anything from it. When was the first Flash trailer drop? Maybe maybe I'm just not used to time and that not enough time has passed. Yeah, I don't fucking know, right? Like, I hadn't seen anything about the Marvels until I saw it before, um, what was the movie? Oh, Guardians 3, right? Yeah, you know what? Honestly, the timeline, the first Flash trailer dropped in February of 2023, so, okay, I guess. <sighs> but yeah. Do you do you want Ezra Miller to come back if you if you were the head of DC Studios and David Zaslav went to you and said I don't give a fuck about any of the controversy I just want a good actor in this role do you keep her do you recast Ezra Miller? Um, I might keep like I just I just I don't know if I think he's important enough to keep him but I don't like you know. I'm I'm a big fan of separating art from artist, right? Like it's not he's not the first one, he's not even the worst one, right? Like, um, and you know there's other like you know, um, Chris Chris Pratt, um, you know he's part of a church that very famously does not get along well with with with, uh, with gay folks and so, <laughs> with the gays, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you know there's some people who think he should be recast and like you know, I can't care. Right? Like, I don't, like, you know, if I, I, my, my standard would be like, if he's in jail, he probably shouldn't be in the movie. <laughs> um, and then, you know, and then once he's out of jail, having served, presumably having served his time, he should, you know, that's, that's fine. But like Roman, Roman Polanski, uh, uh, small point, Ezra he, uses they, them. them. Oh, I, I did not actually know that. Um, the, but like Roman Polanski, who obviously fled charges um you know like that's not kosher um so i think like again, he's maybe the worst example i can think of is, yeah is yeah no I'm trying to get roman Polanski like should probably face justice i think it's probably bad that they gave him a statement standing ovation when he came back um but i don't think that means that his work is like you know shouldn't be viewed right like yeah. um that kind of thing right like you know um it would be weird if, like, Amazon refused to carry Mein Kampf, I guess, right? Like, it's still, like, obviously there's, like, different concerns there, but, like, you know. Um, yeah. This is also sort of a little bit like the the J.K. Rowling stuff for me, where it's, like, dr I, I think this all breaks down in the causal web of purchasing something equals moral endorsement of something, right? Um uh, one of the things that I have always uh, found funny is the way there is no ethical consumption under capitalism gets talked about these days. Because the, the point of that quote is to say that consumption is not ethics. You are not being a good or bad person by consuming things, right? Um, but people use that in a way that is really different than kind of the original spirit of the quote. And I feel like that kind of stuff also sort of applies here, right? Um, so, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I also like, you know, like, there's an argument about, like, you know, at what point is it, like, like, how much is, like, e like how, how, mu how much is, like, it being easy supposed to be the thing that makes a difference, right? Like, you know, 
if tomorrow, right, they want to cast a new Flash movie, they could easily not cast Ezra Miller for for whatever reason, right? Like, um, and like, should that have bearing over, like, you know, if the movie was like fully shot and edited, and then something bad happened, should they go like scrap the movie for it? Like, you know, that's I think, uh, like, you know, I see more defense for the first than the, for the second one. Right, but like that's like that is purely on like the machinery of production rather than like a moral kind of like precept, right? Like, you know, it, this is if if it's easy to do, you should do it, right? Maybe which is like you know not obviously the strongest moral grounds, but um, you know, yeah. Well, we'll see whether or not they keep them, and um, yeah. uh, you know where where things go from here. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if there's ever uh, the, the, even I a think flash thing ever, right? Like, who knows? The I think the most interesting thing to kind of come out of this movie in terms of the future of like the 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 production of like the DCU is that they signed uh, the director Andy Andy Muschietti. Um, I don't know actually now how you would pronounce his last name um, as the director for Batman: Brave and the Bold, which they have promised will fulfill my my long awaited take. Which is that Batman should be about the Bat family? It should be about Robin and, and Nightwing and all of those other all, all of those other characters. That's the promise of Batman: Brave and the Bold. Um, and who, my hope is who is well, playing Batman in that movie? We don't know. I don't know. Are they going to get George Clooney? <laughs> like, so there's there was another pitch that I have heard throughout like you know the internet that I think would be cool, which would be like like and would work with this. It's like uh, not not specifically, but I can see it working. It's like George Clooney plays Bruce Wayne. And it's um, uh, like, Terry McGinnis, is Batman Beyond. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, um, I would be, I would be all over that. Not gonna lie, yeah. Batman Beyond is the shit. Uh, but yeah, you know that's uh, you know we'll we'll see. I guess right, like we'll see whatever. Right? I mean, like, hey, they skipped original. Ant-Man straight into Scott Lang, right, for Ant-Man, right? Like, yep. Um, they could do that. That'd be neat. Especially since, like, Batman's a story, like, that has been done to death. Like, it is funny that we basically got the Flash origin story in this movie, right? Like, and only kind of, like, sort of, right? We don't actually see the moment. We see this, like, Flash Prime attempting to recreate the process. That was another thing that, like, a very minor thing that bothered me is, like, wait. They figured out how to, like, reliably create a Flash, right? Like, okay, you've reminded me of something, right? They've created it, like, one, they found out a way to reliably recreate a Flash, right? Like, why doesn't Michael Keaton just do it to himself, right? Also, two, the way that scene goes down, right? Like, Michael Keaton, Ben Franklin, lightning bolts, you know, Flash Prime, and it doesn't work. Kara, who doesn't know what's going on at all. Is not present for any of these conversations. Shows up and just flies him into the sky to be struck by lightning. <laughs> what the fuck? I this is this is one of the moments where the movie pinged, it ponged for me. You know what I mean? I was just like, the fuck is going on? How does she even know that they're there? You know, right? It's just no, like, that's a good I, don't point. Know. I didn't even think of that. Really, she just know about the Batcave. Like she fly, yeah, she flies back. Like I don't know, maybe you could say she flies back to the Batcave. She uses her super hearing or to like, hear past the thunderous waterfall to like, hear their conversation. Like X-ray vision, maybe. 
right? Like, yeah, like, uh, I, I, there were some. I liked, I liked this version of Karazorel. The moment where Zod says the infant didn't survive the process, just because he's such a fucking asshole, you know, and he just wanted to twist the knife or whatever. I loved that, and that's where she like discovers her heat vision and blasts him off the the Black Zero. I was just like, yes, I'm on board with this. But there's a lot of stuff that I did not love about. Uh, Kara, the way that they sort of like filmed her doing her stuff. Um, most importantly, she knows how to fly right off the gate. I hated that. One of the most important things about Man of Steel is that Clark has the 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 everyone's favorite moment in Man of Steel is Clark learning to fly. Right, his Jor El tells him. You can do this. You just need to keep testing your limits, right? Um, and it's the you know that super swelling of the soundtrack or whatever that everybody that everybody loves. And he launches himself into the air, but he but he falls and then he refocuses or whatever. And then later, there's a dark parallel to that moment where Zod does that thing where he says, "Where did you train? On a farm?" And then he rips off his things and he and he flies for the first time. And that's when Superman is like. Oh fuck! I'm gonna lose. I'm gonna lose this fight. That stuff is so important, right? To I think kind of the mythology of specifically the Man of Steel kind of iteration of this character, right? So the that she just flew from the first second bothered me on a dumb nitpicky level, right? Um, See, the I, other I, thing I, I had presumed <laughs> that she had some time out of the shell before she got put in the put in the hole, essentially, and that's like you know that that was the explanation for. Um, all of that, right? Because like she should have yeah. been around for a little while at least, right? So, but yeah, good point. <sighs> yeah, no, I I feel you. Um, and then the other thing is, I just didn't love the action of that, specifically the Russia Siberia scene or whatever. Um, uh, the action was kind of back and forth. I actually quite liked the stuff they did with the Kryptonians. Um, most of that is because a lot of it is callbacks, like I said, to Man of Steel, right? Like the moment where I think his name is Ursa, who is the giant. Kryptonian, he jumps into the into the air and he gets onto Batman's plane. That's a reflection of a moment where he does that to one of the human, um, the, the you know the human whatever they're, they're called, jets. just those yeah whatever those fighter planes are. And you watch him as the guy tries to eject and he grabs his head and he crushes his head in his hand and the splatter flies off the back of the like the screen. It's one of the most brutal but like cool moments in like man of steel he does that with batman obviously um and so there's a lot of callbacks to those sorts of things which i think are with it which i think are sweet and also it's the moment where the flash gets to be cool and do flashy shit right with the where he's building up charge and he's zapping people is sweet um i love the moment where he takes off his gloves right um in order to in order to back up the infinity, you know, alternate flash before he's infinity flash in taking down the space Hulk guy with this, uh, uh, with this way, um, you, you know, making the cyclone, all of that stuff. It's like perfect flash shit. Right. Um, and so, uh, the movie was very, the, the, the action was very hit and miss, I guess. Uh, I agree. When it came um, to No, the, honestly, the thing that popped in my mind, is like, well, I guess it's okay to like, fuck on Russians again because of, like, major geopolitics, right? <laughs> yeah, true. I... <laughs> she murdered those Russians, right? Like, she yeah. just threw... Like, you can see there's a cliff. She throws him off the cliff, and I was like, what? Several there's one guy she throws into, like, a canister on a roof, and the whole thing explodes, <laughs> and I was like, where is our Batman doesn't kill people discourse for, you know, for Yeah, I, does Kara have the same rules, right? Like, she's... Yeah, I don't know. 
It, it happens in the alternate universe. Doesn't count. Um, a lot of this stuff, to be fair, a lot of this stuff is a callback to the Flashpoint comic. Um, in the Flashpoint comic, it's actually even more brutal because, first of all, it is—it's not Kara; it is Clark, um, and Clark has been held in a in a United States facility um, for his entire life, basically. Um, and uh, and he does kill people when he comes out because he has been so like poorly like mistreated. But it's actually a very wholesome moment because he co he comes out, he kills people, he's in this sort of mania, and the Flash is able to talk him down essentially, and kind of he tells he he says the Clark I know you know was found by like a loving family, right? He was raised on a farm in Kansas. Um, they have like a little they have like a little moment or whatever, and it touches the idea that like. In every timeline, Superman is a good person, right? Like, he is fundamentally good or whatever, which I really like because I sort of don't like evil Superman stories, um, like Injustice or, or kind of like whatever else. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, the, 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 by the way, the recreating Flash thing is also a relic of Flashpoint. But in Flashpoint, it's also different because the Batman that he goes to is Thomas Wayne, not... Um, not Bruce Wayne um, in that version oh, of the, the timeline where, where Bruce dies and Martha becomes the Joker. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Martha becomes the Joker. Thomas becomes Batman and he is a Batman with a gun. He uses the gun that kills Bruce and he just fucking shoots people all the time. <laughs> uh, that is like one of my favorite, like, I don't know, like the Indiana Jones style, you know, like <laughs> flashy sword, sword stuff, gun. Right, like. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well. Yeah. We've talked a lot about this movie, uh, but you know, I don't know. I guess gonna, gonna that's where. Fall of Destiny. I actually don't care about that movie. I also. I, are you an Indiana Jones person? I have never been an Indiana Jones person. So uh, yeah, I my, my medium care. I I was like kind of like atmospherically an Indiana Jones person. I like rewatched them all in college because I realized I hadn't watched them in a while, and it's like. You know what? Crystal Skull was bad. wasn't as bad as Temple of Doom. Like that is my hot take: is Temple of Doom is the worst Indiana Jones movie. Wow. Uh yeah. I I don't have strong opinions about. It. My favorite was Last Crusade. I think Last Crusade is the best. Um, I I understand that, but I I think like like in terms of your kind of like objective versus best. Like I still I think Raiders is probably still the the like kind of like from an objective standpoint the best. Really? Is, like a movie. Um, not that interesting. Not that okay. Last Crusade is bad, but like just Raiders things better i think um even though uh, like, you know, i the, the thing that i love most about indiana jones is the warehouse of crates i think that moment like did something to my brain when i was like a little kid when i saw it um because just like it's it is it is like truly great world building in the way that like john wick is right where it suggests this greater existence right that is kind of out in the pastures right in it, that there is more to this than just this one individual story um and i really love that moment uh i will i will forever love that moment but yeah i, I don't know i i've heard that uh, indiana jones and the dial of destiny is fine um the biggest problem with it is that there, there's like a lot of CGI uncanny valley with like de-aging stuff or whatever which I was like yeah Harrison Ford is like a gazillion fucking years old if you try and shoot a movie with Joe Biden playing a 30 year old obviously it's gonna suck right like <laughs> yeah no. um, but yeah. yeah it's also it's also only in theaters is that right as opposed to on Disney Disney oh, Plus or I, something I don't fucking know um, 
I don't follow any of that bullshit. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I like it in a world where I just have to watch it on Disney Plus. Maybe yeah, yeah, in a world fair. where um, yeah. it is uh, you have to go to a theater. It's, it's a no. Yeah, no. I mean, and I fully expect the the kind of trailer moments to be better in the actual movie. But there was also something about like you know, you know, I stole it. You stole it. You stole it. That's capitalism. Like that's that's not capitalism. Like you know, my that's that's not how that works. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, so there's been this weird kind of in like the, the great liberalization of American politics. There's this weird thing about how like museums are bad because they like steal cultural artifacts from, from other cultures or whatever. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I feel like Indiana Jones lives in a weird spot in that, um, I don't know, in that yeah, world. I mean, it's also like, you know, museums are like also generally not market based. Right, like they're explicitly yeah. governments, <laughs> government-run institutions, right? Like, um, uh, but you know, yeah. I mean, I, I have always had complicated feelings about because, like, I think I do understand the, you know, the idea or whatever, and I kind of would say, yes, it's bullshit for the British Museum to have these, like, you know, whatever Egyptian cultural artifacts. But it's also not like the like this is part of the argument that bothers me. It's not like the British Museum is using these to to make money because you know it's like no, like it is for the further you know to further knowledge and history and to, and to keep a record of this stuff when at the time that was a pretty radical thing, right? N- not um, only that, but they were also recovered at times for like, you know, their status in their native cultures wouldn't have been guaranteed, right? But like the sticky spot there is like what, like you know, the British are allowed to hold on to it until the Egyptians become civilized, and like saying that sentence is probably already yeah, exactly. And it's also like, like whose fault is it in the first place, right, right? That like these colonized countries are so fucking oppressed that they have no kind of cultural heritage, as it is being you know literally in some cases beaten out of that. You know, like I don't it, like I said, it's a very complicated question. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things where I am kind of. I don't know where where do you put Indiana Jones? I I don't have I don't want to take I don't have a take on any of this shit. It's really what I'm saying. I don't care about Indiana Jones enough to defend it, right? right. Um, or to attack it. It it just is immaterial to me, right? It is this piece of politics and uh, it's this overlap of politics and culture that I just don't care about. <laughs> you just yeah, can't no, mean to care. I, I feel a lot of this way about J.K. Rowling just because, like, I always oh, thought true. the Harry Potter books were bad, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. um, and so it's like, it's like I can't get worked up about like either way about anything. It's just like you know, I'm. I guess I'm glad that people realize that those books are full of plot holes and not particularly good, <laughs> yeah. but like. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I will take the correctness parse of being, you know, retroactively <laughs> right about hating this shit. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't think we're doing Indiana Jones. I don't know. Do you want to do Craven the Hunter? It's the other one that they released a poster today for Craven the Hunter, which, to be fair, actually looks pretty baller. And I haven't seen the trailer. I don't know if it's going to be good or not, but. Uh, yeah. Do you know what Craven the Hunter is? Um, He. 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 Gains two power when something moves to his space. Okay, hold on. Are you ready for this? He, he's like, From the studio he's just that like brought a big you, game hunter, right? Like Morbius, the living oh, really? vampire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Craven the Hunter is a Spider-Man villain, right? And the idea is that Spider-Man is the ultimate hunt for him, right? Um, he's always really fun because he's kind of one of those villains with, like, offbeat Like, he, um, he's, like, relatively morally neutral, right? Like, he's not, like, yeah. in, in it for, like... He's not in it because he wants power. He's in it because for the thrill of the hunt, right? Like, 
Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's a lot of stuff under underneath the surface that that is sort of like neat about Craven. Um, people have always sort of liked liked him. I, to be fair, have always sort of liked him mostly because I think he has a really bitchin' suit. He has that lion. I don't know if that's in. Uh, let me let me see if I can like look up the picture. Um, oh, the Marvel Snap picture. Uh, what's the Marvel Snap picture? Um, oh, I'm cause that is that is a reference I made when you asked me if I knew Marvel about Craven the Hunter, and I said it gets too power when someone moves to his space. Is like the oh my effect. god, I didn't even put that together. No, because uh, the uh, hold on, let me show you this. Yeah, this, he, he, this is like the key art that they did today. Um, because his thing is, he's wearing two hat, like he's wearing like a lion's vest. Let me see if I can. show Oh, you, you know what? The, that uh, is actually very similar to the uh, the Marvel stuff. Here, let me see if I can pull this up super quick. Yeah, I mean that is um, that is a very famous sort of pose for him. Uh, that is like actually, it, I'm pretty sure it is um, a reference to Craven's Last Hunt, where Craven finds out he's dying and he like goes into overdrive to kill the shit out of Superman. Or, I'm sorry, Spider Man or whatever. Um, but uh, God, where the fuck is this? Here, I'm going. Thing? To, I'm going to put uh, Craven on screen for the people at home. The Marvel Snap card is relatively similar to. And I will bring over the poster picture if I can. Uh, do look at us go. I guess we're talking. I'm talking. I'm talking us into it because now we're we're going. Yeah, so hard I mean, I'm sure we'll see this shit. one. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited. Craven, Craven is Craven is cool. I also just like Aaron Taylor Johnson as a uh, as an actor. Yeah. Um, he's the guy from Kick-Ass. He's, uh, he was Quicksilver in Age of Ultron or whatever. He's a, he's a pretty good actor. He was in Bullet Train, actually. He's most recently. Oh, what, um, what, did, he what was, did he play uh, in Bullet Train? Uh, he was the white guy that was part of Lemon and Tangerine. Yeah, okay, I don't remember yeah, which yeah, one yeah. he was, but yeah. Um, the oh, guy who has speaking! The, I missed a thing about, about, uh, Flash. Um, fucking Aaron from Dairy Girls plays Patricia? And I was just, like, out of my mind the entire time. Um, because <laughs> um, I was like, I was so excited just because like I recognized her and like she's speaking with an American accent instead of like her like very very Irish accent that she does in in uh, Dairy Girls. But you know, her name's like Sorsa, like Sersha or whatever. However you say that, like it's like her like given. Oh, Sersha, I think yeah, is what yeah. it is, right? It's like Sersha um, something McCullen or something like that. Yeah. Are we doing Oppenheimer? Are you are you pumped for Oppenheimer? I'm pumped for fucking Barbie. I tell you what. I'm to be fair, I'm also I'm pumped for both Barbie and Oppenheimer, actually. And they're coming out the same day, so I'm pretty sure I'm gonna do a double feature of those two. Yeah, um, no, my my uh like girlfriend and I talked about for Halloween try, like the thing I, I really want to do for Halloween is do like split down the middle. I don't think I'll be able to pull this <laughs> off, but like Ken on one side, Oppenheimer on the other. <laughs> Yeah, seeing those two trailers back to back is very is very fun, very satisfying. Yeah. Barbie is the weirdest movie, written by Noah Baumbach, directed by Greta Gerwig. I cannot understand. It's how apparently the, like how this happened. Like I, the trailer I saw for the Flash, right? It's like this is like fucking like the Truman Show, but with Barbies, right? Like Will Ferrell is the villain. <laughs> like yeah. Oh, we'll see. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited to. I'm excited to 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 learn. <laughs> Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer. I am interested in. Like I think Christopher Nolan's a good director, um, but there's definitely a, a part in my head that's like you know that that sees like you know say the line Oppenheimer right like um, also like 
I don't think Einstein looks great in Oppenheimer. Um, uh, but you know that's probably gonna be yeah. Really it's the you know what the funny thing about Oppenheimer is Oppenheimer is gonna be a little bit like Chernobyl. And I was thinking about this. I was like, it's weird that I'm talking about it in these terms. I I don't I don't want to spoil myself for Oppenheimer because I know vaguely the story of the Manhattan Project, right? Like I think I think everybody does, right? Bunch of scientists go into the desert, make the atomic bomb, but I don't know the details, right? Um, and um, so what I'm interested in is seeing that story dramatized on screen um, for the first time. So, yeah. Yeah. So the, the other thing that, like, gets me is uh, is that, like, every time I see Matt Damon in those trailers, I just think of his character from Inglorious Bastards. Um, and he's not the same character, but I so desperately want him to be that same character. Um, uh, just because it's funny to me. But uh, I, I like the memes around it. Like, like it's, you know, because um, apparently, like, you know, Barbie is, like, you know, like, the typical audience you think is, like, girly girls. But apparently, like, um, the female demographic really likes Cillian Murphy as, like, a, you know, he's, he's like, a, you know, uh, a hot guy. Um, and, and, like, you know, there's a bunch of, like, weird people like me who are really hyped up on Barbie just because it looks, like, stupidly fun, right? Like, um, so, you know. Just kind of like the inver inversion of expectations there. But I, I will probably see both of them at some point. I don't know if we need to do a cast on them or if just do a back half on them. But, like, we'll see. We'll see. We will see. What have you been, what have you been doing this week? What else is on your on your mind, on your plate? Um, uh, So I actually, like, went back and played some WoW, actually, um, instead of just uh, raid content. Like, I did some of the... I, I wanted to do the... Um, the Crucible? Story quests? Well, I, I wanted the thing I probably wanted to do was the um, what's it called? The thing where you can transform gear into set pieces. Oh, the catalyst. Catalyst. Yes. Thank you. The like I wanted to like hit that that way. I started generating charges there or whatever. Um, and I did a couple of the story beats. I did the um, I did the thing where they go recover the silver scale. Um, and I did the Ooh. I did the rebellion thing, um, which like. The rebellion resolution. Uh, so the interesting thing is, I don't. I'm not caught up on, caught up in the story. I know some stuff because people have talked about it. Obviously, of what's happened with the end of the with the end of the the story. Um, but the interesting thing is, um, I uh, am uh, sort of behind on some of that like main stuff, like the black dragonfly. I've done the you know. There's the intro stuff in Zerlek Cavern. Where you go, you do the stuff in the Zakali War Camp, and I actually, to be fair, really loved that. Um, which is funny because everybody hated that. I they thought it was bad. I thought it was amazing. They can all eat eat, eat my ass. It's good. That's, that's a good story. Um, but I haven't done any of the questing since then. Um, so that's uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm still behind on on the Black Dragon quest line too. But there was one that popped up that's like talk to um, one of the defectors from the rebellion and um, Alex Straza. Um, and uh, you basically go and you um, do you care about both. They... I guess not. This is different, yeah, than than I expected. What what rebellion specifically? The 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 um the the Draconid rebellion. The primalists. Hmm. The like the the, the, the there's like a group of like uh, Draconids and other other. What are the things that are like four four pod dragons? I don't know. Dragon spawn, I think, is what. Those yeah, are like. The, there's like the rebel group that's like beneath Draca 
um, beneath. Oh, I know what you're talking Beldrakin. about. Okay, yeah, that, that's a. I, I, okay, I have done that quest. That's a side quest from the very beginning of the game. No, no, no. Um, there is a point that resolves it. That's a story. Like it, it has like the the big the big Pentagon, right? Like you you go. I think you rescue or you you convince somebody to turn early in the expansion. But there was like there's this story signed quest that's like. Um, essentially, they're setting up a bomb beneath Veldraken, and, and you have to go neutralize it. Um, and but okay, it, but, but it involves kind of like basically Alex Straza being like, maybe we should listen to the rebels and see why they're mad, right? Um, and you go through that. Um, I'm surprised it's not getting more chatter on social media. Not that I particularly looked, just because like it's like it's kind of like you know. Their concerns are valid, but violence is bad, which is kind of like a thing. Like if you wanted to draw straight line, straight line parallels to like current politics, you could take it in any which way and be mad about it. Um, oh, I mean, there was a huge uproar recently. Funnily enough, about some of this like flash timeline shit. Um, in the next patch, uh, ten point one point five is the the me uh, the mega dungeon, Dawn of the Infinite. Uh, where you're like going back in time doing all this other sort of stuff. There's an interesting set of quests surrounding this where you and Chromie go and do important things in the timeline. And one of the important things is you assure Alex Straza's captivity and rape because you make sure the Dragon Maw orcs who were part of the original horde in the second war have the dragon soul and can use it to continue dominating Alex Straza and forcing her to give birth to red dragons for them to ride, which to be fair is a horrendous retcon. Okay. Because in Warcraft two, there are dragon rider orcs who are riding red dragons. And then we later learn that red dragons are good dragons, actually. Well, how are the red dragons bad in Warcraft 2? Well, let me tell you. And uh, and they, so they fully walked onto the rake with that one. Uh, and it got announced that those quests are getting scrapped from the PTR. <laughs> they're, they're just getting rid of them. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Who says in the chat, I heard about the assassination, but not that one. Uh, what was this? What is the to assassination? Be, so, to be fair, to I the, the Steel Man cape, for the steel man for this one is that this um, plot point is uh, it, it is not so direct, right? It is you are giving the dragon soul back to the dragon maw orcs, right? The, the here is a MacGuffin. The MacGuffin has been stolen. You need to make sure the MacGuffin goes and stays in the right hands in order to preserve the timeline. It just so happens that the knock-on effects of all that includes all this stuff with Alex Straza, right? Um, and so it's not as though Crummy is like, well, let's go make sure Alex Straza keeps being forcedly bred and you know whatever, you know what I mean, like mind controlled. That that's not happening, right? But it is the the logical conclusion of what you're doing. Um, who who is Agent Kiernan? Uh oh, this is interesting. Did you ever do the Legion questing from um, uh, the Rogue Class Hall? No. A character named Agent Amber Ker Ker Kiernan. Kernan, I don't know, um, starts that quest in a sort of uh, film noir sense by showing up at this location with a with a cryptic note, and then she falls over dead. She's been assassinated. Um, and you eventually learn that this is a whole plot 
uh, where, you know, dreadlords are infiltrating SI7. They've replaced Matthias Shaw and are trying to, like, use that in order to get Anduin to start the fourth war. There's actually a lot of, like, really interesting lore implications behind all of this stuff. And one of the things that you do is you go back and you ensure that Amber Kernan gets assassinated because if she doesn't, you never unearth this plot and all this bad stuff happens. Okay, yeah, that, that seems that seems like, you know, a, seems like not a thing that you should do, right? Like you can play it, like you can if, like it worked when you know in in the uh, in, you know what is it? Teen Titans go to the movies when they like shoot Batman's parents because it's so. Like, I, yeah, and I would I would say it works in the Flash because of all of the sort of thematic context. I don't love it here. Uh, I also just I I am growing to have complicated feelings towards this stuff in general, just because. Um, it is weird that the bronze dragon flight is so absurdly powerful. It feels like compared to the other dragon flights, like, Oh, I'm Sibelian. I can move rocks. I'm nose dormu, you know, and I can go into the time ways and rewrite history. You know what I mean? It's like, that's a lot of pressure to put on like a fucking dragon. Who's just like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's also probably a thing that, like, they didn't think about too hard when they did it, and they're stuck with the consequences, right? Like, Absolutely, yeah. I, I, especially as the cosmos has kind of expanded, and we have this thing of, like, these warring forces. You know, you have order, chaos, um, whatever, like, life, death, uh, that stuff. Um, the nature of time in that is a unresolved phenomenon, I guess. Um, and so it's weird that it's the purview of this specific set of dragons that were given their powers by this one Titan watcher who's not even a Titan himself. It's just like all that stuff is like, I don't yeah, know. I, if you actually think about it too hard, you will just like kind of it make it make sense. What it feels like is that they did like, you know, oh, what are the normal dragon colors? You know, red, blue black green and then we got this cool bronze one and they're going to be they're going to have a cool different thing right because like you know i can kind of get like magic nature life being big enough domains that it works um i don't think the earth thing really works at like like at that level maybe maybe like that it's like the actual terra i get it but like you know time is all obviously stands above uh loose is in the chat by the way Chromie gets the got the worst evil name. I will actually go to bat for Chromie's evil name. I think it's the greatest. You know what Chromie's evil name is? What is it? Morchi. <laughs> I thought everybody thought that the, uh, the 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 infinite dragon fight thing that you you did in the intro quest was going to be evil Chromie. Is it not? That's yeah. That's what I said. Uh, I guess I was wrong. But yeah, Morchi is the infinite dragon flight version of Chromie, which is obviously. Kind of chromy backwards, sort of. It's just right? an anagram, right? Um, like it's M O. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. I agree with you. I think the root of all of this is bad lore that came from uh, Richard Neck. Uh, do you know about like the War of the Ancients trilogy? No. So when when Warcraft three came out, uh, they wanted. Th there's a lot of stuff that that harkens back to the War of the Ancients, right? The first time that the Legion invaded Azeroth. It's a big piece of sort of the Night Elf story. It's why Illidan is imprisoned, for instance. Malfurion is asleep, um, and um, 
they wrote a book, a, a series of books alongside it, written by a guy named Richard Knack. And the dragons were also his creation. Like, the Dragonflight stuff um, was kind of, like, also his creation from a book called Day of the Dragons, which just sort of explained some of these mechanics or whatever. Um, I just think it all, like, all of these, all of this lore harkens back to him and that time in WoW lore where, like, lore itself was kind of not as a, as protected a thing, um, uh, you know, archivally or historiographically, you know, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I feel like that's where we ended up. Yeah. You can't, you can't unring that bell. And so cannot unring that bell. Right. God, like I didn't know that any of that stuff about the red dragons, right? Like that, that literally feels like, you know, Orcs are the evil guys in the in the first game. Therefore, they ride the dragons, which are traditionally evil. Therefore, you know that's the thing. And then they have to like you have to like retcon all of this stuff to like make it make sense, which is uh, not great. You know, yeah. And the reason it's stepping on rakes is you can just not acknowledge any of that. Yeah. You can just move on. <laughs> like, like was was the fact that like do like. Um, Alex Straza being imprisoned is this like a thing that is known, or is this lore that was invented for this time, this 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 quest? No, that stuff is known. Okay, yeah, that stuff is like yeah, well known. Um, it's also more like part of it is like I sort of loathe a lot of the way that the WoW community will talk about sort of sexual assault. Um, it, it's one of those things where it's like <sighs> Sylvanas is a rape allegory because Arthas killed her, but also like stole her soul or whatever. And it's just like, uh, like that stuff to me, it doesn't track. That's incorrect, right? This bad media literacy. You are putting a, a square peg in a round hole kind of stuff. But the Alex Straza stuff is pretty direct. Like, brrr, there's not a good how, way to talk around that. How, like, how do dragons reproduce in the first place? Like, uh, they they fucking lay a bunch of eggs. Like like is that it? Because like you know, most I believe I don't know. Honestly, I don't know how birds work. Um, so you know, I'm gonna keep close my mouth before I get uh get myself in trouble. Um, sure. I, yeah. Um. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Have you played any more Diablo form? A little bit. Yeah. Um. I kind of, I've been uh, doing some stuff. I'm like level 52 or so now. Um, just been rolling through some stuff, but it's not like um, uh, super big concern to me. I've been waiting to like play with people. It just like hasn't lined up. Um, <laughs> Lou says, let's have a whole uh, podcast about Dragon Funking. Be brave, Mango. I, I True. Don't, I don't think I will. Because, um, you know, um, you could go like, this is like a whole, like, like a universe comparator. Like, I'm sure there's some universe where dragons do live births. Um, and, like, you know, then you get into, like, what even are dragons, right? Like, um, I know someone who could guess. Who could guess? Uh, you, know, you know what? I don't... Oh, God. Oh, my uh, God. Uh, <laughs> I, I do not care about the intricacies of World of Warcraft, dragon intercourse really are there are there asian style dragons in, in, in wow 
Yeah, but they're not true dragons. Uh, cloud serpents. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, but yeah. Cl but cloud serpents are an offshoot of wind serpents. Um, so like the uh, you know like in Thousand Needles or whatever, there are those flying vipers. Basically, okay. they're, they're flying yeah, yeah. snakes. Cloud serpents are a like kind of the Pandaria version of that. Okay, but they're not, and they're not dragons. I think they are. I think they might be dragons um, in a, but like in a proto dragon sense, right? They are not. They are not true dragons um, in the sense of to, like you know any. They're they're not members of the dragon flight. Right. Well, yeah, because because all the are true dragons then like awakened by tear by definition. Yeah. Okay. You know, like uh, like most proto dragons are just fucking animals, right? Proto drakes are animals, um, and. Uh, the the cloud serpents are like that. You know, okay, they're that they're basically just animals, but then you also have Yulon, who, for instance, is kind of sapient. So, yeah, 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 that makes sense. But like you know, they're like also like the other animal gods are also sapient, but they're also you know it's like not like anybody's mad that like you know whatever the ox's name is is sapient, even though like most oxes are not right. Like, um, but whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, but mostly, like, I've been putting the most of my time into Street Fighter Six. I think. Um, okay. Just because running sets, I'm climbing my way out of... I'm almost out of bronze at this point, which is kind of surprising. Nice. I, I think what happened is, is when I started playing early, and, like, people were still getting sort like, you know, like, the, the brackets were kind of establishing themselves. And so now I'm just kind of, like... I'm not, like, you know, so good that I'm, like, shooting, like, that I'm, you know, dominating, but I am getting... So the way the way the ranking up works is if you get streaks, you start ranking up faster. I'm getting pretty good streaks. So, um, and you can't you can fall out of like like each tier has like a like you, know, you can be like bronze one, bronze two, bronze three, um, and you can fall out of your bronze like your 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 number, but you can't fall out of your tier. So like I couldn't fall out of bronze if I tried, um, but I could like fall out of I'm like bronze four now. I could fall down to bronze three, um, but. I am still on average winning, so, um, and also I'm just like kind of getting my sea legs back, right? Like remembering how to like play, remembering kind of like the mind games and how to like do reads and whatnot. So practicing my combos, dropping most of them, it's great. Um, but yeah, but what about you? What have you been? Uh, mostly Diablo. Um, we're pushing twenties, uh, and wow, we're doing. Uh, I got AOTC over the weekend, which is kind of crazy. Uh, and it was honestly a very hero hero moment getting AOTC. We were, um, you know, we were kind of in third phase of Sarkareth, and you know how you can go down into the void realm or whatever. Uh, maybe. Which one? Have you ever taken a bomb? Oh yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So it's like that, right? Um, there were just like a bunch of mechanics happening, and I was like, the, I feel like the only way do we win this is if I just lust myself, basically. So I went into the void phase. Um, I picked up 10 of the stacks, and I came up out of the void phase, and I just sat on the boss doing my execute rotation at, like, 5% HP as, like, the whole raid was wiping around us and we killed the boss, which was very satisfying, right? In that kind of, like, uh, you know, hero, I, I saved, you know, I saved the pull kind of thing. Uh, but, yeah, you know, we've been pushing 20s, um, uh, which feels good, right? Uh, the... 
it's weird to think that we're only six weeks into this patch that the catalyst just opened um, because that is a short amount of time. It's about 25% of what we're used to when it comes to sort of the full length of a patch. Um, maybe it'll be shorter for Dragonflight. Dragonflight patches do seem to kind of be faster, like delivering content more regularly and everything else. Um, but uh, but yeah, we're you know we're already kind of pushing 20s. We did a 21 last week, um, and we have all 20s in our in our vaults, that kind of thing for starting up for next week. Um, the um, uh, the but the big thing that I've been doing is playing a lot of Diablo. Um, which is mostly because it's just such a great thing to kind of like zone out to. I'm actually in this weird spot where I have done the capstone dungeon to get to tier four twice. And both times I sort of inadvertently had a time limit. Um, Cause one of them, the hell tide spawned and I was like, well, I want to do the hell tide. So I abandoned the dungeon. I went and did the hell tide. Um, and in the second one, uh, it was right before raid. Um, and I was like, boy, I bet if I sat down and did the reps, I'm pretty sure I could get this. Um, but like, uh, because that is like a sweaty thing compared to sort of like a chill thing. Mostly what I've been doing is just like running around clearing side dungeons to get renown. Um, and, uh, sort of like get that up to, you know, up to max or whatever. Um, so, you know, yeah, that's sort of where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. No, I've been doing side quests. Like, I've been doing side, like, I haven't done a hell tide yet just because, like, every time I like to see one, it's like two minutes left. And so it's like, okay. Mm. Um, but, uh, you know, I've been doing uh, whispering trees and whatnot. Um, but like I said, I will probably get more into it when I can get, like, nailed down, like, Monic or you to actually play with. Um, yeah, for sure. Honestly, maybe after this, I will just like go and do this thing, get into tier four finally. Uh, yeah, uh, I think I'm level sixty six now, right? So, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I, I, my build is actually pretty pretty nuts. I, I like a lot about the you know we talked about this, but one of the things that has sort of happened, um, and I saw a really interesting Twitter thread from an old WoW designer who now works at Riot um, about it, where. Um, you know, my build is, uh, it's about making the best with what you have, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that stuff is interesting. I think that stuff is cool and interesting. For, for, so. for a hot second, I had a really fun build, which was uh, Stomp creates an earthquake. Or no, Leap creates an earthquake. Stomp creates an earthquake. Stomp resets Leap. And so it's just like, you know, Stomp or Leap, Stomp, Leap. And like, you know, like, like. Things all over the place. And was combining that with the uh, weapon swapping goal. It was just like, it was stupid, but it was still fun. But then I like quickly out leveled that stuff, so it didn't stick around for long. Uh, I'm sort of weirdly in some of that build. I don't have the leap portion, but I there's a there's a legendary I have. Actually, it's a unique that I have, which is when you activate all three bonuses on your walking arsenal, you stop automatically. Oh, very and cool. It. And, and that triggers the earthquake, right? So I have stomp, I have the earthquake, um, and I do this sort of... Right now, my build is mostly Hammer of the Ancients and Frenzy. I also have a Frenzy thing, right, that increases my Frenzy sacks by a bunch. So what I'm mostly doing is just, like, wailing on things with Frenzy and then uh, Hammer, right? But then I have Rend in the build so that when I want to trigger all three, I can just Rend, and that will... It's sort of like having a second charge of Stomp, 
right? Um, when I want to activate my stomp, kind of, uh, to, to set stuff up. Um, which is sweet. This is a fun, a fun build. Actually, the, the thing I was doing right before this was I was actually equipping a bunch of random dumb stuff just because I wanted to do my weapon expertise. I was getting all my weapon expertises to 10 because you have to, like, level that up by using the weapon. So, I, like, I equipped a random pole arm. I made a build with that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Now I have everything at 10. Feel pretty good. So, we're going to go hard. See how it, see how it works. I'm still spinning. Wee. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, the one build I have not done is the whirlwind build, uh, which I hear is the meta, right? Like if you're a barbarian, whirlwind build is kind of like the only way to go. But I have refused the meta thus far. I feel like my build is really powerful, and I'm I'm going going for it. I, I've heard at least for PvP that like thorns is the is the barbarian build. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. Uh, which is yeah, which is interesting. So you know, we'll see. Um, uh, that is cool. I do have thorns, so uh, I do have a lot of thorns in my build. But that's mostly because I don't have any good way to deal with ranged. So I just have a lot of thorns, and I let them kill them. They I let them break themselves upon my body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got like I got like I got like a piece of rare gear with like plus two potions. I'm like, oh, that's fucking sweet, right? Like you know, now I can just like spam drink potions harder. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's basically been it. We're a bit over time. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, uh, I've, I'm, I'm good. All right. Well, if you'd like to email us with any of the things that we talked about on this podcast, or about any of the things we talked about on this podcast, you can email us at dirtsplaygames.com or dirtsplaygames at gmail.com, um, or podcast at dirtsplaygames.com or dirtsplaygames at gmail.com. You can, uh, follow us on twitch.tv slash dirtsplaygames. These go out live as well as youtube.com slash at dirtsplaygames. Um, rate and review us wherever you find podcasts all that stuff um there's links in the description buddy that's everything i have do you have anything you want to promote uh the australia demo maybe the australia demo uh so the other thing is we just announced a new title by the way uh called ever after falls um ever after falls is a kickstarted title uh it's sort of like stardew valley um you know it's 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 like the base of stardew valley but with some other stuff on top of that right so kind of imagine stardew valley but with like you know there's these drones um, uh, that are that'll that'll help you out, kind of like in Factorio in a way. Um, and there's this whole ARPG Diablo-like sort of combat system. That demo is also up. Uh, the Australia demo is up. That demo is up. Uh, I did the Austria stream. So the fourth character for um, Australia is now live. Austria, or not live, but we have shown we have shown her off. Um, Austria. The Austria stream was really fun. I had. An insanely powerful build, and then another insanely powerful build, which was really fun um, to to kind of show off and get into. Um, Astra is a weirdly frustrating character because she's all about randomness and probability. She's all about um, what star you cut out for a second there. Randomness and probability. Okay. So her like her core mechanics are um, she has this thing called chaos dice in her in her pool. Chaos dice are just any, they, when you roll them, they turn into any die that they could possibly be, but or but with a twenty five percent chance of being an epic dice, which is really which is really good getting an epic die. Um, but like you can increase that probability. Um, she also has dodge and crit, so like her stuff will crit randomly. Um, she will dodge corruption randomly. Um, she. She has a, a thing called about confuse, right? Confuse is when you get a value. So let's say it's a confuse three. The, when you use that, you have a 50-50 of making it 
purification or corruption, right? Um, and so for a game about drawing random dice and rolling them, she's layering on additional sort of RNG effects on top of that, um, which has made her uh, frustrating internally. Uh, there are a lot of people who really hate Ostra, but I really love Ostra because manipulating probabilities like that, I think, is what makes RNG fun. Um, and her whole thing is about manipulating the correct probabilities to get really powerful outcomes. Um, which I think is sweet. So, very cool. Yeah. Very, very cool. Awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, with that, I'm going to say uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal. Loyal.